Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. We're here to wrap up the most influential Buckeyes of 2022. It's Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, it's Nathan Baird, and it's the top four. We made a list of 25 with input from our texters, with Nathan and Stephen and I each grading every player on the roster in both value and specialness. And this is who we've talked about so far. 25, Steel Chambers. 24, Tanner McAllister. 23, Mike Hall. 22, Noah Ruggles. 21, Kyle McCord. 20, J.K. Johnson. 19, Tyleek Williams. 18, Julian Fleming. 17, Matthew Jones. 16, Jordan Hancock. 15, Luke Whipler. 14, Emeka Egbuka. 13, Zach Harrison. 12, Ronnie Hickman. 11, Josh Proctor. And in the last episode, we did 10, Marvin Harrison Jr., nine, Jack Sawyer, eight, Donovan Jackson, seven, Denzel Burke, six, Dewan Jones, and five, JT Tumaloao. Nathan, is there a clear top four for almost anybody who would undertake an exercise like this with anything close to these parameters? Is there an obvious top four for this team? I think there is. My personal list had a had a jump a small one a two-point jump between fifth and fourth but everything else had been divided by one point up into that so i i think there are four clear leaders here steven do you agree with that yeah i do agree with it i agree that quinn ewers will be at the top of this list <laughs> congratulations the highlight of quinn ewers career too bad we didn't do this a year ago I, or just did it. What if we had done it last September 1st? I mean, he's already on the roster, so he would have had to have been included. Would he have made our top 25? Oh, for sure. He'd have made the top 10. Yeah. I don't know because, like, I mean, Kyle McCord, who we know actually is the backup quarterback this year, didn't make – isn't as high – isn't that high. Isn't, like, top 20, right? Yeah, so, but we also didn't good. make Kyle McCord the starting quarterback in a hypothetical greatest team of all time pot. So. Right. Yeah, it would have been interesting, but it's like what's well, good. Like, like we're we're setting this down now, so a year from now we can look. That's the best thing about doing lists on a consistent basis is to look back and see how wrong you were. So a year from now we'll do that. I would have been. I, I would have loved to know. It would inform like any discussion that we would have had about Quinn Ewers during the season or any discussion we'd be having now. It's like, oh yeah, I can't believe we had that guy eighth. So all right, we're in the top four. There's a consensus around this top four. I actually think it's probably more like a clear top three and i guess the fourth guy is a sure thing but if someone wanted to make a case for why they have someone ahead of the fourth place person i would hear it but that fourth place person is paris johnson 45.08 jt tumalo out in fifth was 43.33 so that's a pretty big gap nathan you said you had a two-point gap this is almost a two-point gap it's like a 1.7 point gap for us was paris johnson fourth on your list nathan 
19 in impact value and 17 in special. And to me, it is just the impact value, I think, speaks for itself, right? He's going to be the starting left tackle on this team. And we guess at who we think the backup left tackle would be, but it's not the ideal scenario. It's a it's a huge problem if he's not the starting left tackle for this team this season. I think that alone is is. But then also just what he's been bringing along with him, his whole um, the whole time he's been a prospect is finally, we think, culminating this year. I think he showed some things last year playing out of position, but I think we all think I mean, I shouldn't speak for everyone. I speak for myself. We see more for him this year because he'll be playing the position he was supposed to be playing all along. The value across the board here is again, undeniable. We were all in agreement on that. We all had 19 for his value. It's like take Paris Johnson off this roster and you get, you can be in a world of hurt pretty darn quickly for special. You guys each had him 17. I had him 19. Um, but we're all in the same range. Steven, was he fourth on your list? He was. There's actually a two-point jump between he and number five and then another two-point jump between he and number three. My, I'm exactly where Nathan is, 19 and 17, so Nathan does speak for me. I think <laughs> that it's a 17 with the understanding that it could be a 20. But I don't think it can get lower than 17. It's just it's only 17 for me because he actually hasn't done it yet even if I think he's going to do it. So, I mean, a lot of like my view of special was sort of like what I think your absolute upside potential is sort of like whether you've shown it or not. I will say there's somebody higher on this list than Paris Johnson, who I gave a lower special rating to that. I gave Paris Johnson a 19 out of 20 in special because I think it's possible that he's the best left tackle in college football. And I think it's possible that a year from now, he's a top 10 NFL draft pick. And I think it's possible that we talk about the 2022 season of Paris Johnson in a way that you would compare it to any tackle season at Ohio state since Orlando pace. Right. I think, I think that's possible and not fanciful. Nathan, it's sort of like the way we talk about him, the way we've talked about him since he got here, that he's the biggest, most important tackle recruit since Orlando Pace, that I just, there's a lot out there for this guy that we have been waiting and dying for for the chance to see him at tackle. I, I totally hear what you're saying, but I think all four of the people on this list, the last four people, the top four people, might all be the best player at their position in college football this year. And so do you place additional importance on the fact that it's left tackle as opposed to running back or receiver? I know you wouldn't say that compared to quarterback. No, no. But if we, like, if we, again, if we do this list, and at this point probably should do this list, rank and order the guys Ohio State can least afford to lose. Is it possible that Paris Johnson should be higher than fourth? Because listen, I mean, people know who's left. CJ Stroud is going to be one on that list. But when you think about sort of the way the offense works, and it's like, yes, skill position guys are really important. But with how good we think Paris Johnson can be, how important left tackle is, I'm not saying he should be. I'm wondering if he could be higher than fourth on a list of guys you can't lose. 
the argument is the other guys are talking about can't do their jobs if he doesn't do his job well. So, yes, to that point, the takeaway is you just said he might be the best left tackle in college football. Yeah, that's completely on the table as a guy who's in his third year as the top tackle in his recruiting class, except the other three guys. You can say that about them right now. And we haven't played football. They're already in. Yeah, they're already in the conversation for best running back, best quarterback, best wide receiver. Paris has to. We can only have that conversation about him in December. It's funny. I was reading some All-American stuff, uh, I think, or some, something about returning players. I was looking over some lists because voting for the, the Big Ten stuff. And there was somebody who had Paris Johnson really high on a preseason All-American team and said something along the lines of, oh, he's already faced some of the best edge rushers in the country. And I'm like, huh? Oh, yeah. he hasn't even been a tackle yet like so uh that's where i'm kind of coming from a little bit on this yeah i'm not arguing that he should be higher on this list um again as much as jtt i think slotted in perfectly fifth i think paris johnson slots in perfectly fourth because he has a year of starting but he has not yet done what he's about to do where the three guys ahead of him, Stephen, all, as you said, all did what they're about to do again. Yeah, and we're at top five, especially top four. He's the outlier because we know why he wasn't the starting left tackle last year. But after that, the top spots are reserved for people where we're not, it's not a if they do it. It's, okay, are they going to do it again? Right. He was fifth for the Texters. So again, it's right in this range, you know, that JTT was third, was slightly ahead of him again, which is just like some combination of like excitement and potential and juice and, and all those things. So um, we're all right in the same range on this. And again, I'm not sure there's anybody listening to this who's shouting that Paris Johnson should have been second or that Paris Johnson should have been ninth. I think fourth is right. And so now we get down to the guys who have all done it and are expected to do it again. And we'll get into them next on Buckeye Talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Doug, Nathan, and Steven, you can be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315. You can read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. And don't forget, next week is Big Ten Media Days. That means we're going to have our preseason cleveland.com Big Ten survey coming out where we'll have the official unofficial rankings of the Big Ten as Nathan gathers the input from writers around the league. That'll be coming out next week and then we'll be in indianapolis on tuesday and wednesday 
for live coverage and live podcasts of Big Ten Media Days. So if you're kind of coming in off the offseason and like, oh, you know, I'm going on vacation, whatever, it's like, it's, it's, here we go. It's about go time here uh, for Big Ten football. So, so, you know, some of the other leagues already having their media days, Big Ten's next week, and the three of us will be there. Third is, wait, I lost the list. Wouldn't that be a thing? It's like, I do, we do this this whole time. And then right at the end, it's like, oh, Doug lost the list. Uh, we, have, we can't do it anymore. Vanished. Yeah. I think you know who it is, though, right? So third is Travion Henderson. Yeah. 46.97. Paris Johnson was 45.08. So again, we're talking about almost like two-point jumps these last couple rounds, right? Almost a two-point jump from JT to Paris. Almost a two-point jump from Paris to Travion Henderson. Steven, is Travion Henderson is third the right spot for him, Steven? No, I had him second. And it's because... The difference between him and Jackson Smith and the Jigba is the value. You First of all, I've been on this planet for two Ohio State National Championships. Both of them had an awesome running back when they did it. The receivers were – they had good receivers, but the running back was awesome. And you lose Travion Henderson, and we're Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor are good. They're not Travion Henderson. You need you at Travion Henderson. While if Jackson Smith the Jigba gets abducted by aliens. You just told me that Ohio State's starting receiver core is Emeka Abuka in the slot, Julian Fleming at Z, and Marvin Harrison at X. I'd be like, okay, cool, let's do this. So as a result, you have the value of um, Travion Henderson higher than the value of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. And they're both pretty darn special. You have them both as 20s for special, but you have the value higher for Travion Henderson. What do you think of that point, Nathan, that it's just the room at receiver is deeper and that makes Travion Henderson more valuable and potentially he should be higher on this list because I'm not sure that anybody thinks Ohio state with Mayan Williams or Evan Pryor that like that run game is good enough. It's a fair argument to make. I think we would we're jumping ahead to Jackson Smith, the Jigba somewhat to make this argument. I think when we're, when we're to have this discussion, I should say, but I don't want to discount uh, completely what it means to this offense to have the reliability and the, um, the production that Jackson Smith, the Jigba brings to it. I think we, you know, I'm, I'm in the minority. I think at least on this podcast of the importance that I put on running back um, I'm, I, I actually gave a higher impact value to receiver to, to Jackson with the Jigba than I did to Henderson, but I gave Henderson one more point in special. They basically, they have the same score for me. They're actually tied for second on my list, but I hear what, what Steven is saying, but which makes it harder for Ohio state to win any game. Um, I, I just think not having what Jackson's with the Jigba has proven he could do leaves a bigger gap for me. I just, uh, I see what you're saying, but also just uh, CJ Stroud sucked against Tulsa. And if it weren't for Travion Henderson going bananas, that's a weird game. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm but, not going to sit here and say 100% that Ohio State wins that game. But then also, it's like, I, I get Jackson Smith was awesome in the slot last year. I'm not sure if you gave Emeka Ibuka that exact same opportunity this year if Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't exist. He couldn't be just as awesome. 
quite frankly. But I know Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor aren't going to be as awesome as Javion Henderson is. The other thing, though, is something you kind of bring up. Like, CJ Stroud doesn't stink very often. The rest of the season when he didn't stink, uh, a lot of that got fed through Jackson Smith and Jigba. And this is an offense that throws the ball more than it runs it right now. It does. We also were clamoring for Trevion Henderson to get a chance last year because we didn't think Master Teague or Mayan Williams was special enough. And we also think maybe if they would have played more Trevion Henderson against Oregon, maybe they win that game because right away the guy shows up and that screen against Minnesota was like, yep, there it is. Okay. It's here. Now I say that with this caveat, we all gave Henderson a 19 for value. For special, Stephen was a 20, Nathan was a 19, and I was an 18 on Henderson. And I had six guys on this roster that I rated higher in the special category as a 19 or a 20 than Trevion, than Trevion Henderson. And um, that is CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson, and JT Tumalowau. And I'll say part of that is like, hey, Trayvon Henderson like had the chance to show. He played a lot last year. And so it's easy to like to retain your special when you don't play. So like I have a higher special on Donovan Jackson than I do on Trayvon Henderson. 18 is still really high for special. But Steven, after the Tulsa game, this is not critical. He had an amazing freshman season. After the Tulsa game, while he was battling some injuries, while they were trying to save him, these were his games after Tulsa when he ran for 277. Eight carries for 93, eight carries for 71, 16 for 102, nine for 81, 28 for 152, 21 for 92, 13 for 98, nine for 63, 17 for 74, 17 for 83 in the Rose Bowl. Now, you also have to factor in some pass catching, which we've talked about before. For, against, for instance, against Michigan, against Michigan, who only had 74 yards rushing, but he had 54 receiving on five catches. So they really used him that way. So I think just to read only rushing stats for Trevor Henderson isn't fair. Am I wrong that I think a lot of people are viewing Trevor Henderson as potentially the best running back in college football this year? Am I too low to give him an 18 in special? Yeah, for starters there are three people with special for me and it's CJ Jackson and Travion. I do think it's funny that he averaged 6.8 yards per carry on the season. And yet only once the entire year, did he have a game where he averaged six yards in that, that increment. I get it. He got tired. He looked like a freshman. He had some injuries and he also was two years removed from his last football game. Yep. That's a lot of context into how you go from, 11 yards per carry to eight to six to nine to five. That's how that happens. So now that he's back in a normal routine, what does it look like? If you're still in that mode of, I want to see what it looks like. Okay. I see how you get to 18. I wouldn't have got to 18, but I get it. I'm not going to fault you for that. What do you think, Nathan? Is 18 special too low for him? I mean, I had 19, like you said, it's, it's, it's not a massive difference. And I think what's more instructive is, like, where did you guys, how'd you guys compare him to the other running backs on this roster? Because I had 19 special for Henderson, 12 for Evan Pryor, nine for Mayan Williams. 
and we all had our own system. Yeah. I, these aren't calibrated towards each other. One of I was going with this more rigid system. You guys, I think, were maybe a little bit more on on feel or whatever. Yeah, prior special is nine, and his value is eight. Mayan Williams' his value is eight, and his special is eight. Yeah, which again all goes into the gap in special between Trevion Henderson and his backups yeah. goes into his value where nobody is disputing his value. We all had him at 19. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And I, the impact value score for me is relative only to this team. Whereas yeah. special, I think is something different. Special, I think is beyond just this roster or just this program. I didn't give anybody a 20, but I gave a couple of 19s. I, I reserved 20 for something else, but Henderson was like in that next thing below me. I don't think he's Saquon Barkley, but there's something about him that is more special than I, – I mean, I don't know. I think I would <clears> – who would I Who would I compare it to? Like, like, hmm. I mean, Saquon Barkley's not bad. Should he get the same? Well, yeah, but I think I mean they right. called him Baby Saquon when he walked on the campus. So like, so I'm not I'm not putting him in that category yet because Saquon is as good as anything I ever saw in the Big Ten. Uh, but I think he's like, would he? Should he be thought of as a like? Would he get the same score as like J.K. Dobbins one year in? I think would they both been 19s for you guys coming in or whatever you gave him in special rating? Yeah, I, I probably would have J.K. Dobbins. I probably would have given J.K. Dobbins a 19. And Trevion's an eight. yeah, partly based get, up like it's like recruiting pedigree, but also like J.K. just like did more in year one. They, they leaned on him a little more. I it, that's hard. I don't want to. I can't compare guys to guys they're never going to be on the field with or be able to you know match up with. He's not going to him and Saquon are going to be in the same sentence until he gets to the NFL anyway. So like I use twenties as more of a is this guy in the conversation to be the best player in college football at his position right now? I can only compare you to the guys who are actually in your era. So I have to compare him to B. John Robinson, who I think is the only in um, Wisconsin's running back. Those are the only two other guys I would give a 20 in an exercise like this. That's, it's, that, that, that's, that's fair. I, I, I totally see that. By the way, again, because I was looking at stuff this week, Trevon Henderson, 6.82 yards per carry last year and 12, 1,255 yards. Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, 6.82 yeah, yards per carry, 1,268 yards. So 13 more yards for the Wisconsin guy, but they averaged the same exact number. Yeah. So, yeah, there it is right there. That's a better way to view it for me. I guess I'm really at the moment into Braylon Allen. Um and so I think if you if you said to me, take any receiver in college football, who would you take? And this is obviously coming from an Ohio State lens. I'd take Jackson Smith and Jigba. If you said take any left tackle in college football, because listen, like Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern is kind of viewed as like probably the best left tackle in the Big Ten and maybe one of the best in the country, but I'd take Paris Johnson over him. Like, I think I'd take Paris Johnson. If you said take any quarterback, all right, well, Bryce Young won the Heisman, but I'm right there with CJ. Like, I, it's a coin flip probably, right? Mm-hmm. At the moment, if you said take any running back in college football, I might take Braylon Allen and B. John Robinson. I'd take Travion third. And I think that is somewhere in my 18 instead of a 19. For yeah. what it's worth, since we threw out Allen's, B. John Robinson – um, 195 carries. Obviously, he got hurt and didn't miss the rest of the season. But a thousand yards for 20, a thousand hundred and twenty-seven yards for 5.8 yards per carry. So, but also Texas stunk last year, and he didn't have the offensive yeah. line that 
Braylon Allen and uh, Travion Hinton, so it's a whole yard difference. So I am not disputing Travion Henderson's greatness. Like the idea of like, well, I think he might only be the third best running back in college football. I'm like trying to compare him to the guys on the roster. I'm not saying he should be lower on this list overall, because, again, because of the value, and he is an incredibly skilled player. I just am I'm – a, I'm a slight bit lower – on the special compared to like, I just gave, I did Donovan Jackson a higher grade. Cause it's like, you know, Kevin Wilson's talking about, I've been doing this for 25 years and he's one of the two most talented as like, is Trayvon Henderson better than Ezekiel Elliott? Like, is Trayvon Henderson better than freshman year? Maurice Claret? Like the bar is so high. He's in the conversation. So I think he's, but like, I would definitely have him third. Steven thought, he should be second. Nathan, where was Trayvon on your list? Was he third or second? He was third. He was third. Okay. So I think we're in the right conversation. Um, again, it's not, it's not intending to like find criticisms. It's trying to compare the best of the best of the best to each other. I, I don't have doubts about Trayvon Henderson this year, but I'm, I'm wondering if he'll be a first team All-American. Like I, I wonder how that'll shake out. I wonder what, I wonder if he'll win the best running back award in the Big Ten because I just I think Braylon Allen is kind of right there with him. I'm really looking forward to that September 24th matchup in Week Two between those two run games. He was, by the way, Trevion Henderson um, in our texters was fourth for the texters, so he's third overall on our list, which gets us to the top two. Nathan, is this obvious or is there a discussion? about who should be first and who should be second in your mind, Nathan? I think it's obvious. It just positionally, when you have a quarterback who excels to this level, it means something different than when anybody at any other position does it. Steven, what do you think? Is it obvious who should be number one? Yeah, it's, I mean. All right. So if it's obvious, we won't dork around. Number two is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Number one is CJ Stroud. Trevion Henderson, 46.97 was third. Jackson Smith and Jigba second, 47.74. CJ Stroud was first, 48.88. So that's pretty clear for CJ. I will say that in special, Stephen, you gave Jackson Smith and Jigba a 20. And you gave CJ a 20. They were both 20s. Nathan, you gave CJ Stroud a 19 and you gave Jackson Smith and Jigba an 18. I gave Jackson Smith and Jigba a 20 and I gave CJ Stroud a 19. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is the only 20 that I handed out for special. I'm not saying that means Jackson Smith and Jigba should be higher on the list overall, but Nathan, is it defensible that I gave Jackson Smith and Jigba a higher special rating than CJ Stroud, or is it not defensible? Well, yeah, I mean, he had the greatest receiving season in Ohio state history. And I know that um, that doesn't mean as much as if he were coming from a place that's been chucking the ball around for 50 years, but still some pretty great guys that he blew right past doing that and did it at a young age and is coming back for more. There's, there, you could argue that uh, all of the things that we think about Stroud potentially making a step forward this year, Smith and Jigba can do it too. I think 
because there's a lot of, of, of his a lot of his game that has been established for a while. And we've talked about that going back to high school. This is really the receiver he was. He was a high volume guy, but not like a high volume shooter, like a guy who has to take a lot of shots to get his points. Like it's just the, the gravity that he has in an offense um, he makes the most of every opportunity is maybe a better way to say it. So that's, the, it's been an established thing for him for a long time. And what is the next um, progression of that look like now that he is the number one guy in this offense? So again, Jackson, and, that's, and let's keep this on Jackson Smith and Jigba and we'll, we'll slide to CJ in a second, more specifically Jackson Smith and Jigba under special a 20 and 18 and a 20 Jackson Smith and Jigba under value an 18, a 20, and an 18. So it's interesting that we had like the opposite. Nathan, you gave him a 20 for value and an 18 for special. Steven, you and I both gave him a 20 for special and an 18 for value. But you had Jackson third on your list, Steven, right? Because you had Travion yeah. second. Again, we had that value conversation a little bit, but the special conversation for Jackson Smith and Jigba, you had no doubts this guy's a 20. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nathan kind of put it's the best receiving season any Ohio State football player has only ever had. And I mean, we've had a pod saying, is he going to have 2,000 receiving yards? That's special. And I, I do think he's special, right? It's not like the offense is special. It's like he has a sort of a unique combination of route running and hands and yeah. explosion once he gets the ball in his hands and. There's there's no holes in his game. And it's Steven, it's hard when you have that kind of year sort of as like your step up year. That's like your surprise year. And it was the best season ever. Then it's like, well, what are you going to do now with your showcase year? Now, Joey Bosa had a whatever it was, 13 and a half sacks in sort of his out of nowhere year. And then had Mm -hmm. five sacks in his next year because they double teamed him. They triple teamed him, that kind of thing. That's possible but that doesn't mean that Joey Bosa got worse as a player it's just his stats went down because offenses accounted for him Jackson Smith and Jigba is not going to get worse as a player but do you think Steven it's at all possible that he doesn't have 1800 or 1900 or 2000 yards because defense's game plan around him so much they just like won't let him do that yeah it's part of the reason I I made some of the Market downs, I did. Like, I only, I think I only gave him like nine touchdowns because of that reason. I, I don't, but at the same time, I don't think we've seen that happen to an offensive player at Ohio State yet where they've had the step up year. And then, like, when it's time to go crazy, teams just sell out on them. Cause I, I, I don't know why, but I go back and listen to old interviews. And you were asking Nick Bosa that line of questioning about, hey, hey, your brother did this. And then, like, basically couldn't do any of that his junior year. Are you prepared for that? And he's like, yeah but I don't think they're going to be able to do that as much because we also have Chase Young. So they can't double and triple team me because then Chase Young's going to have 15 sacks. I think Jackson might end up in a similar situation where we're going to be asking him like, Hey, do you think teams are going to sell out on you? And he's going to be like, yeah, but then Marvin Harrison and Julian Fleming and Mecca Booker are going to do whatever they want. So they can't do that to me. Yeah. So, that, so that's where, but then also his special is he already plays a position in Ohio state's offense that gets the ball anyway, but that's not the reason he had 95 catches, which is like with Paris Campbell, when he had 90 catches, yeah. well, you're in the slot. That's who gets the ball. Jackson Smith, the Jigba got the ball because he was that good. While also yeah. just so happening he was in the slot. 
And it's also like, Nathan, you watch the guy and he's nuts. Like it's, his skill set is bonkers, <laughs> right? I mean, like it's ridiculous yeah. what this guy can do with the ball in his hands and getting the ball into his hands. I remember after the Rose Bowl walking along the sideline with um, Emeka Egbuka and asking him about there was a catch the second half that was like a big catch in that game that he made and asking him like, oh, so like what happened? on And before I could even like finish asking the question, he's like, that was all CJ Stroud. Like CJ made that happen. And I don't think we think of that when we watch Jackson's with the Jigba. I mean, as good as CJ Stroud is, that there is the, the skills that he has, the way he can separate, the way he gets himself open, sometimes just the way that he makes plays on the ball too. I, I feel like in some ways, it, it, like both Wilson and Olave still had flashier moments. There was there was a there was an impressiveness to Jackson Smith and Jigba that was almost maybe you had to be more of a football nerd to fully appreciate it. Just what he's able to do on any given route, any given catch. Garrett Wilson says this a lot that like Day tells him make routine plays routine. And I think Jackson does that. And so with Garrett, you could tell, oh, that was awesome because he does the most. He's flashy in the way he runs routes and everything else. While Chris is so smooth, it's like Jackson Smith and the Jigba pinned the ball on the a defensive back's back to get a catch. And we all just kind of batted an eye at it. So I do think um, that Jackson, he had so like the over the shoulder catch in the Rose bowl that made Ryan day say, Holy spit, right? That's an unbelievable throw and an unbelievable catch. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of those, that's like ball in the air, body position, hands, tracking the ball, all that stuff. But I can't remember what game it was. Cause I have a terrible memory, but what was the game where he just, caught like a little eight yard pass and exploded through the middle of the defense and ran 70 yards. The Nebraska game, the 75 yards touchdown. And it was like, okay, well that wasn't normal. Like there's most everybody else in the country. They catch that and they get tackled for like an 11 yard game. And he Mm -hmm. turned it into a 75 yard touchdown. It was like, okay. So like he has both of those. He could make big plays out of short plays and he can make big plays out of big plays. All of this is saying this is, I think this is right. I think where we landed in the end is right, that Stroud is first and Jackson Smith and Jigba is second. But Nathan, if somebody wanted to make the case that Jackson Smith and Jigba is so special and on an offense that had the first two receivers, well, I guess they weren't the first two receivers because there was the, the USC guy, but had two first round receivers in that offense and he still forced his way into leading the team in receiving yards, right? That, that who else would be able to do that? If somebody wanted to make a case that Jackson Smith and Jigba should be first on this list, which is no slight to CJ Stroud, but it's an acknowledgement of at a place that has an assembly line of receivers, this guy is still that rare. I'd hear it. Would you hear it, Nathan? I would hear it. I think over the course of just even the past few weeks, we have talked about some of the the the, the facts you bring up to maybe dispute some of that. Um, you know, his hugest games came when those other guys weren't there, or at least one of them wasn't there. So you know, he was able to you know the targets weren't necessarily there for him all the time. They, they he he took made the most of the volume of them when they came in those situations, though. So I guess that's one thing. Um, he did, although not only was he playing with the two first round receivers, he forced a third one off of the team. He forced a third one to like change conferences. Yeah. So yep. uh, that that belongs in the discussion. But I also think that 
do we think do we think CJ Stroud helped um, Jackson Smith and Jigba become the all-time leading Ohio State receiver more than we think Jackson Smith and Jigba could make Kyle McCord be a Heisman finalist this year? I th- I mean, first of all, to the point of, yes, the number two, three, and four wide receiver picks showed us how good Jackson Smith and Jigba was. I think so, just because as we've talked about time and time again, and as I'm going to write eventually, he just happens to play the position that CJ exploits the best. It's like it just you know magnifies what CJ's best at. Yeah. In a way that it wouldn't magnify the same way with Kyle McCord because he's not that's not his best throw. His best throw is 40 yards down the field. Yeah. It is quite a little nice combination here between these two guys, as you've talked about a lot, Steven. They have their skill sets match up, CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba, mm-hmm. and their trust in each other matches up, the relationship, same recruiting class, all these things. Yeah. There's just what a nice little th- like you're looking at any sort of, you know, a receiver and a quarterback. When you think about them as a pair, it's yeah. possible that we will think about Stroud and JSN at the top of any of those kind of lists, just like both in Ohio state history and college football history, depending how this mm-hmm. season goes. So I'm not disputing it. Like, again, I think second is correct, but I wanted to probe to see like, Oh, well, is there a way that he should have been first? And again, Steven, you think he should have been third. So like you can probe that. We sort of discussed that. Well, maybe Trevor Henderson and the value there, but I think, I think in the end, a lot of people would wind up where we wound up with the Jackson Smith and Jigba second on this list. And that means the quarterbacks first, which will wrap up next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan, Steven, CJ Stroud, value 20-20-20, all in agreement. Special, 20 by Steven, 19 and 19 by me and Nathan. Steven, you gave out three 20s for special. I gave out one. Nathan, you gave out none, correct? So this is still, so it's like, oh, hey, guys, didn't give, you know, 19 is as good as you gave out, Nathan. There's a couple other guys, not many. Was it just two? Did you just give out two 19s for special? Yeah, because, again, I had that sliding scale. Well, you had to go out, like, 15 was still All-American. So anything above 15 is still pretty good. So you gave it to C.J. Stroud and Travion Henderson. Um is there any is like this guy is the guy, Nathan, right? I don't even just like, hey, do you guys think the uh, quarterback of the best offense in the country who was a Heisman finalist in his first year as a starter? Do you think you should be first on the list? It's like, I'm not sure how interesting this conversation is going to be, Nathan, but this is where we are. The quarterback's number one. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, in, in an offense that Ryan Day has been you know, building in his brain for, well, I mean, however old he is, uh, decades now this is the quarterback that he built to run it. He went and found this guy. He found this skill set. He prioritized this skill set. He developed him in, um, in to be the facilitator of this offense and all of those things that make both of them, who they are seem to really flow through Stroud now. And I, I again, like I said, I reserved twenty for that the specialist of the special, but I think to say that CJ Stroud is a tier below that is not a knock by any means. That he and if he were to go out and and take another step beyond what he did last year 
And there's a reason why he's already being considered, you know, by many people, the number one pick already overall in next year's draft ahead of Bryce Young, because what he has as a skill set and what he can be as a passer in a in a professional model are um, very uh, enticing. Steven, this guy's a 40 out of 40 in your mind. This is like almost like the, the ultimate college football player, is it not? Yeah, and please be feel free to add other names to this room if you want to. Uh, the reason why is he's in a room that only two other people can go in going into the season, and that's Bryce Young and Will Anderson for the title of who's the best player in college football. And off the top of my head, those are the only other two players I would give 40s to. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is on the edge of that conversation, frankly. He's on the I mean, outside I, knocking. I, I think um... – you know, we did, I forgot to mention this, the Jackson Smith, the Jigba thing we did uh, on the College Football Survivor Show last week, we, or a couple weeks ago at this point, a couple weeks ago, we, Shahan and I each took $1,000, fake $1,000, and made our bets for the season. And I loved both Will Anderson at 40 to 1 for the Heisman and Jackson Smith and Jigba at 50 to 1 for the Heisman. Now, CJ's odds are so much lower. It's like, well, I just, it's not worth it. He very likely could win the Heisman, but um, he is close to I like, I think so. Steven was a 40 out of 40 Nathan. I think like Ryan day might be a 40 out of (laughs) if Ryan day. is like, Hey, we should. Oh, shoot. Why did I ask Ryan day if he wanted to do this? Cause he's in New Hampshire hanging out with his (laughs) family. But But he could have, just why didn't you ask Ryan Day why he didn't want to publicly put a number value next to every player on his roster? He's like, yeah, uh, Ryan, uh, I'm a little surprised you gave this guy a nine on the special. Uh, he's going to be a starter for you guys. You gave him a nine on special. Why was that? Um, that'd be a or more to the point, you gave this guy a seven. Does he know that? And if so, why is he still at Ohio State? <laughs> why yeah. Buckeye talk is the reason that 45% of Ohio State's roster is currently in the transfer portal. (laughs) (laughs) The day after the pod comes out, like the pod comes out at 2 a.m. And by like 8 a.m., it's just like the transfer portal has has capsized (laughs) under the weight of all the Ohio State players who've who've jumped in. Twitter's just a bunch of respect my decisions between commits and people currently on the roster. But also there'd be guys who would like, oh, the coach loves me. So like the eight guys who would be left would feel reinforced yeah. by Ryan Day's evaluation of them. I should least... say like he'd say 20 of 20 for Stroud on both and then like 19s for just everybody else. Yeah, that's true. What right. he does for us. Yeah, uh, Ryan, a little surprising that there was only a one point gap between CJ Stroud and Chip Trainum on your list. Why was that the case? Chip Trainum, who didn't make the top 25, by the way. But Nathan, to your point, Ryan Day, the guy in charge, thinks CJ Stroud's a 40 out of 40, which kind of matters, too. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was getting at, that it, this is what he has been trying to put together. I mean, for, in so many ways, like to have a second year returning quarterback in, in this this year, one, but one that he's had in the system the whole time, one that is really built to his specifications. And that's not any kind of a knocking. It's Justin Fields, who we all respected greatly and think was a, a tremendous athlete and a tremendous quarterback and did great things for Ohio state. But Stroud has a chance to surpass that this year. And it's because he is the essence of what Ryan day wants a quarterback of his offense to be. He's the poster child. 
So when you look at two of the last three games that C.J. Stroud played last year, the Rose Bowl against Utah and the Michigan State game, the Rose Bowl when he threw for 500 and some yards, the Michigan State game where he threw six, six touchdowns in the first half and then basically didn't play that much in the second half. I think it's possible, and again, this would not be a terrible exercise for us to undertake or, or at least be prepared to undertake with the season that C.J. Stroud has ahead of him. I don't know, Stephen. Off the top of my head, is it possible that two, those are two of the 10 best games that a quarterback at Ohio State has ever played? Probably, if you're going to tell me that six of the other ones belong to Dwayne Haskins. But I think... Well, no, hold on. Tate Martell, 10 of 10. That's true. Well, he'd be in the top 10. He'd be in the top 10. So anyway, so, I didn't know not, Landis was back on the pod, yeah. but okay. And it's, I mean, it's not, it's not only, it's not only statistical because again, Dwayne was great, but a lot of the stuff that some, some of the stuff that Dwayne was doing was a little more get it out, get in somebody's hands and, and let them go. But I mean, obviously you're throwing some Troy Smith games in there. You're throwing some Braxton Miller performances in there. Yeah. Terrell Pryor probably has a game in there somewhere. JT Barrett at his best against Michigan state you know, in, in 14 is probably in there, that kind of thing. But I'll say this. Pod. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And I might just off the top of my head, though, the second half of the Penn State game in 2017 for uh, JT out there. Here is where I'm going to caveat it for CJ and where I think the Notre Dame game is very important. As impressive as those two games were, Michigan State had the worst passing defense in the country. So it's not that crazy that the yep. best passing offense in the country did that to the worst passing defense in the country. And Utah was playing running backs at corner outside of Clark Phillips, True. who picked him off on a, you know, a one-on-one, you know, fade route. So we know he can do it, but I also want to see him do it against a competent defense. And I'm not saying he has to go out there against Notre Dame and have 500 yards or have six touchdowns at halftime, but I think I need to see him be 27 of 34 for 315 and three scores against a competent defense. And then it's like, all right, cool. I'm sold. No more questions for me. Because the, the, the point I was bringing up with that, and I think you do make a very good point, Stephen, that again, that's not to take anything away from it, but those past defenses were terrible. Two of the last three games of the year, it's like it feels like you were almost approaching peak C.J. Stroud. Now, the Michigan game in the snow with two of the best edge rushers in the country wasn't, which, again, goes to your point. Let's see it against a great defense. But the thing I'm trying to figure out, and again, maybe this is a separate pot. Maybe this is a separate post. Like what percent of C.J. Stroud have we seen? Have we seen 63% of what he can be? Have we seen 88% of what he can be? Because Nathan, when you think about what he did against Michigan State and Utah, it's almost like, well, how could a quarterback play better? How could CJ Stroud be better than that? Because he was everything you would want sort of in those two games, right? And that was that was him at the end of the year. Because again, the stuff at the beginning of the year, that's the evolution of CJ. That doesn't, who cares what he did against Tulsa? Who cares what he did? You know, that... But this was CJ by the end of the year becoming fully formed. So then it makes me very curious how much more is there left for him, Nathan? Yeah, and I think there's a lot left for him. I think that we saw because of the injury and everything that went into that, as as good as he looked coming back from that, you would have to think that there's there's just more to achieve. In some ways, I thought the the more impressive games for him were some of the ones he had like right after he came back. I mean, he just the way they dusted Maryland 
um, and Ruck. I mean, he had 10 touchdowns and no interceptions in those two games, 736 passing yards combined. I know those aren't good Big Ten teams, but just like crushing teams to that extent. Um, even you know, even a game like Penn State, where it's like you know, you, you don't go out and light up the scoreboard that much. You're still still over 300 yards against a team that is a little bit more talent equated than some of these big other Big Ten teams. It's just numerically, it's all there. I think what you want to see this year is a a wh- where does he take the next step now that he doesn't have Olave and Wilson? And we want to say that we saw that in the Rose Bowl, but Stephen has a good counterpoint that maybe we didn't that you saw it to an extent, but you didn't see it against some of the teams that are going to play this year. This is going to be a bit of a, could be a bit of a tougher test with Notre Dame, Wisconsin, um, and more confident Michigan. That Penn State secondary is like loaded with good guys. Jair Brown, Joey Porter Jr. I'm, I'm forgetting some guys. Like they've got legit guys in that backfield, uh, defensive backfield. I think it's going to be a pretty good uh, matchup for Ohio State. So, um, I, I, this there's a lot still to be proven for for CJ Stroud as good as he was last year. And maybe it's not a, a numbers, a statistic box score thing, because to Nathan's point, it's, he was 22 or 34 for 305 and a touchdown against Penn State. That's not the most you know beautiful box score. But if you actually just watch that game, it's like, man, they played amazing in this game, given the circumstances of like all the discipline issues they had at the line of scrimmage. So maybe it's that it's like something that, it's it's how you felt watching Justin in that Nebraska game in 2020, where it's like, oh, he's in complete control out there. No worries. Regardless, I don't even care about the fact that he only had one incompletionist because Chris Olave got flipped on his head. It's the fact that, like, Justin was in complete control yeah. for 60 minutes. And that's what I want to see from CJ against Notre Dame. And it's like, okay, CJ, this is his game. He took over this game from the first snap and never let it go. I, I do think, though, as much as – we're making good points about let's see it against a really good defense. I think it's possible that he's 33 of 38 for 467 and six touchdowns true. against yeah. Notre Dame. And all of college football is like, holy moly, we maybe have to strap in for like the best quarterback season in college football history. Like, I, I think that's just because it's some combination of the receiver assembly line continues Ryan day knows exactly how he wants to run this offense and CJ Stroud is exactly the guy to do it. And also is from the jump is in complete control and Trayvon Henderson looks good. The offensive line is good. Like that's a lot to ask Steven, but I think it's possible that the first game of the season will announce Oh, no, no. Yeah. Like the thing you said, oh, he's in the mix to be one of the three best. No, he's the best player in college football. Like, I think that's on the, if he does to Notre Dame, what he did to Michigan state. Yeah. Like, like the, well, the we're going to be on fire. Right. Just like you're in complete control. Yeah. Like the guys are open because it's a well-designed offense and they're good at running routes and he's super accurate. And like, that's it. I'm not predicting that. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think he has to do what he did to Michigan State against Notre Dame to to, to turn your head because Michigan because Notre Dame is is pretty good potentially. Yes, I mean sure. just 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 do what he did against Michigan last year thirty four forty nine three ninety four and two touchdowns. That I think would start the conversation. That with better protection would do the exact same thing Doug's talking about. It's yeah. There's a there's a lot. It, it's it's one of those things. You don't want to overestimate things like it's possible that we're underestimating things. Who knows what we're in for? 
but I gave him a 40. No, I know. <laughs> no, I'm underestimating him. Steven's like, you want me to give him a 43 out of 40? What are you doing here? There's no extra credit. There was no extra credit, you know, on the back of the paper. Hey, you know, we, I think most people are prepared for Ohio state to have the best offense in the country. And like, it's possible that's underestimating it. That it's like some step beyond that. So, um, cause they're just, and I think most of that Nathan would coalesce around the idea of a play caller and a quarterback in total sync and what that looks like in year two. And as much Nathan as Ryan day over the years has talked about, man, second year at the quarterback, I'd love to have a second year or a third year with a quarterback or keep a guy on campus, you know, like all those things and to have a third year on campus for CJ and a second year as a starter, right? Cause he had two years of a starter with Justin, but he only had two years total with him. Like all these things that he had, you know, when Ryan got here, it was one year JT and then it was one year Dwayne Haskins. And that, that it's just that, that might be that it's like, it's that synchronicity that I think creates the ultimate, ultimate upside for this offense more than anything. Right. And ultimately that's why I put Stroud at the top of this list over Jackson Smith, the Jigba over Travion Henderson, just because as talented as they are, what you, what it means to be the central nervous system of this offense is means something else. Yeah, I think that's right. So in the end, Buckeye talk, I think got it right, Stephen. We put the quarterback first for what may be the best offense in college football history. Good, good job by us. Such a profound way of looking yeah. at football, putting the yeah. quarterback first. Yeah. So, all right, that's our list. That's our top 25 most influential Buckeyes for the 2022 college football season. We'll say it one more time. Just in case anybody was like, who was 19th? Number 25, Steel Chambers. 24, Tana McAllister. 23, Mike Hall. 22, Noah Ruggles. 21, Kyle McCord. 20, J.K. Johnson. 19, Tyleek Williams. 18, Justin uh, Julian Fleming. 17, Matt Jones. 16, Jordan Hancock. 15, Luke Whipler. 14, Emeka Buka. 13, Zach Harrison. 12, Ronnie Hickman. 11, Josh Proctor. 10, Marvin Harrison Jr. 9, Jack Sawyer. 8, Donovan Jackson. 7, Denzel Burke. 6, Dewan Jones. 5, JT Tumaloa. 4, Paris Johnson. 3, Travion Henderson. 2, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And 1, CJ Stroud. That will wrap up our influential. Well, might revisit it, right, Nathan? You think maybe revisiting it at the bye week, revisiting it in bowl season. This might be something worth checking in on. I think it would be uh, just if even if we just came back each and said, here are uh, five scores that I think I was wrong about yeah, or something like that, or the five guys who would jump the most if I re-scored this. Yeah. I think something like that could be interesting just because there are a lot of these guys, especially all these second-year guys, even once we've seen good things from, um, it's less of a sure thing than some of these guys we're talking about at the very top. So there, there's still some jumbling that could happen. There's going to be some alien abductions, which create up, create opportunities for guys who currently aren't in the top 25, mostly because we're not sure how much they're going to play, who might move up. There are often sort of fourth or fifth or even sixth year guys who sort of all of a sudden are making an impact that you didn't expect. And then there's some guys that you have expectations for that just don't quite live up to them. So I do think it's worth revisiting. Thanks to our texters for being part of this. I thought it was a valuable exercise to sort of get our heads in the right space for the start of this season, which again is going to be right around the corner, big 10 media days next week. And then the start of preseason camp for Ohio state, not far after that. 
Thanks to you guys. Hopefully you listened to all four episodes of the most influential list. If not, you can go back and find them and hear what we said about guys who were 12th and 19th and 23rd and everything else. For now, that's it for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.